0: Balance is a myth, and for years I fought for balance and ended up wasting time and energy on false notions of perfection. After anxiety attacks, bouts with depression and health issues, I had to learn to flow with the inevitable imbalance. I learned that being perfectly imperfect was okay. Disrupting balance is for real women who are exhausted with fighting for balance. It is for you, your life, your experience, your truth, and all of the chaos in between. I am Hanifa Barnes, and I am disrupting balance by finding harmony in the imbalance of work, well-being, and the in-between. Find me, follow, and subscribe at Disrupting Balance on all platforms. Welcome to another episode of the Disrupting Balance podcast. I am grateful for you all today. And you know November's all about grabbing hold of gratitude. Grateful for you to listen, and grateful for this next guest that just has so much to share about her journey and the beauty of her journey, Dr. Robin Graham. When I tell you she is stepping into the flow of her self-discovery, it is a beautiful thing. Robin knew in middle school that she wanted to be a high-powered executive dressing up, wearing heels, making money. She became a first-generation college graduate with a doctorate in pharmacy And then transition to becoming a professional photographer, which she's done for 11 years. And that opened the door for her to support and coach professionals in brand strategy. That's not all. In 2022, she will be a published author. So know that the journey is possible when you step into the flow and it doesn't mean there won't be imbalance. Robin suffered from severe bouts of anxiety from a young age, so much so that she had to leave her doctoral program because she had so much anxiety over presenting her thesis. Eventually she did come back and she did get help and she found the resources and even helped her own children through their anxiety. Listen to this episode to learn more about what she believes is God's gift for her, how she dealt with her own insecurities and how she's overcome the fairest will of negative thoughts. So Robin, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you. I mean, for those of you listening, I had a total fangirl moment because I've heard Robin Graham on other podcasts, so specifically the Rebel Rising podcast. So I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today, Robin.
1: Well, thank you. I am honored to be here, and I'm blushing from that little fangirl moment.
0: (laughs) Yes, so um, so we're going to jump right in, and Robin, tell us, what is your story? So I have sort of a crazy story,
1: but I grew up in a teeny tiny town in Illinois, and I decided I did not want to be like my mom. I didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom. I didn't want to be an artist. I didn't want to do the things that she had done. I wanted a high-power career. I wanted to wear heels and a suit every day, and I wanted to make a lot of money. And so I've had this heart of service since I was a little girl, so I wanted to do something that involved service. So I became a pharmacist, and I went to school. I got a doctorate degree. And... Loved what I did. I ended up working in corporate, and when we moved to Pennsylvania, we didn't have any family here, so I consulted. My company didn't have a job for me here, so it worked out fine. I did that as I raised my boys, and then we eventually had my daughter. Um, There was a gap in there, like six years. And as they were growing up, we were getting busier and busier. My husband was traveling globally, and I was periodically having to travel for meetings or symposium or whatever. And we looked at each other one day and we thought, this is not worth it. Our oldest was showing signs of anxiety. And I thought, I don't want him to live a life that I have lived because of anxiety. And so we decided that I would step away from that role. As at that point, I was a medical writer and consultant for pharmaceutical companies and marketing companies. And I decided to follow my passion which was photography. So I became a professional photographer. I knew nothing about being a professional photographer other than I could take amazing pictures. But within six weeks of starting my business, I had my first paying client, which was a branding client. But 11 years ago, personal branding really wasn't a thing. You didn't hear people talk about brand photography. They talked about website photography. But even that for entrepreneurs was still relatively new. But that's what I did for that very first shoot. And I fell in love. But of course, I was insecure. I didn't know for sure what I was doing until I took every job that came my way and ended up getting kind of overwhelmed and burnt out, working a lot of weekends when my husband was with my kids. And I really just wanted to be with my kids, too, and him. And so I decided to niche down and I only did branding, and headshot photography. And so for about the past five years, that's all I've done. I've had a few clients that were longtime clients, and I would still work with them, but for the most part, headshots and branding. And then as I was working with all these female entrepreneurs, I started to realize how many women did not know how to build a brand for themselves. So all of the things that I had spent so much time learning and doing to build my business, I could teach them. And so I took courses, I became a certified brand strategist and brand specialist. And so now I am coaching and I, I'm a strategic thinker. So strategy comes natural for me, being able to, you know, help people find clarity and a message that resonates with their ideal audience is just something that I can do as a gift. It's just, you know, God has given me this gift. And this is how I'm using it now. So instead of being, you know, in corporate and doing all of that, I've transitioned now to where I'm working one on, primarily one-on-one. I do have a group program as well, but primarily one-on-one with entrepreneurs and helping them. And the one thing that I love, Neva, is I love to teach. And, you know, when I was a little girl, I always tell people, if you don't know where you want to go with your life or you're confused, you're not sure what your purpose is, what your calling is... I always say go back and look at your values, your visions, and your passions, and where those three things overlap, where they align, kind of like a Venn diagram. That's where you're going to find your purpose. That's where you're going to find your calling. You're going to feel fulfilled, but you're also going to be able to make an impact and serve other people. And so I feel like I have finally reached that point in my life where all of those three things are aligned and. Now, with my book that's coming out in first quarter 2022, which is called View Me and Anxiety, I share my journey with that. And I feel like now I can truly make the impact that I want to make. So
0: wow. that's
1: my story in a nutshell.
0: <laughs> wow. I I just love the flow of that story. And I, I feel like the, your ability to flow in telling your story means you've really been connected to who you are along the process, probably sometimes in retrospect, but it sounds like you're very connected to what matters to you along your journey, because some people are still figuring out what is my story. Like me, in my case, I'm still figuring that out. I'm trying to get to the place where you are, where all of those things are connected. And the Venn diagram right in the middle is where I'm standing I'm trying to get there but let's kind of rewind a bit you said a lot of great things so you started with you decided that you didn't want to be like mom yeah was that at a young age where you're an adolescent like what was the moment or point in time that you realized that
1: i think it was probably like middle school um and there was nothing wrong with what my mom did she was an incredible stay at home mom she you know she she taught us so many valuable lessons and she always had faith centered at the heart of our family. And she was an incredible artist. She still is to this day, an incredible artist. Um, But I saw her, you know, doing the laundry and cooking and cleaning every single day. And I thought, I do not want to do that. And, you know, she didn't have her own money. It was their money, which is fine too. I mean, my husband and I have our money, but, I wanted to be just independent, and I don't know for sure what inspired me so much, but she had two really good friends who really inspired me, and the one woman was a a nutritionist or dietitian, probably a dietitian, and she was a, a faculty member. She was a professor at one of the big colleges nearby, and I babysat for her daughter, and she would take me on trips where she would be speaking. And I would watch her daughter while she was doing these meetings or speaking or whatever. And a few times I went with her to work and I worked with her in her office and I was mesmerized. I thought, this is what I want to do someday. I want my own office. I want to wear a suit. And I think that really inspired me. And then just, we had, I have three sisters. So there were four of us. Somebody was always sick. So we were always at the pharmacy. And you know, you know how when you when you're talking to your guidance counselor, they said, "Well, you know, you're you're very science oriented. What about pharmacy? Someday you could go part time if you wanted. You know, you could have a great career in that." I knew nothing about it, but I thought, "Sure, that sounds good. I'll go to pharmacy school."
0: Because <laughs> that was going to be my next question: Pharmacy, how? You know?
1: <laughs> Nobody. I was literally. My father went to trade school. Um, my mom did not go to college until I was in college, and then she went to school and she got a library degree um so when my younger sister was in school, she was actually the librarian in her high school but I was really i was first generation college graduate and I graduated with a doctorate so I don't know how that became my path. I think you know I knew I wanted to help people, and that just was it was just like a natural thing. And there were times when I thought, oh, I should, maybe I should go to med school. And then I thought, oh, I don't want to go to school any longer. And then there were times I thought, oh, maybe I should go to law school. And then I thought, no, I don't want to go to school any longer. And then I met my husband and that was the end of all that.
0: (laughs) I know. So, so even in pharmacy though, you went kind of all the way, you got a terminal degree. Mm -hmm. So was your course of study like all the way from bachelor's through was pharmacy?
1: Yeah. So now things are a little bit different when it comes to pharmacy, but back then I went to St. Louis College of Pharmacy and it was solely a pharmacy school. So you went in as a freshman and you went all the way through to get your degree. There were some transfer students are like our sophomore and junior year, people who had gone to community college or transferred in from a different undergrad school. But the majority of us went in our freshman year and then we graduated and we went all the way through the doctorate program right there under the same umbrella. It was, I think we were the fir- we were the fifth class to graduate with our doctorate degree from St. Louis College of Pharmacy. And at that time, the school was ranked very highly in the United States. And it's since now has other, it's got a liberal arts degree and other th- other programs as well. Um, so it's transitioned quite a bit. It's not the same school it was when I was there.
0: So during your profession, I know you mentioned you stepped away when you know you were dealing with your kids and the anxiety around that, but during the profession, like, did you have these like moments uh, or these whispers? I, I think Oprah calls it where you're like, you know, it's like I want to do something different because you're doing something completely different. Did you ever yeah. experience those whispers along the way?
1: I would say I, I probably did, but here's here's the key: is that when I was working, I was doing things that were educating other people. So I was teaching patients how to use medication or how to control their diabetes or how to control their blood pressure or working with doctors to develop treatment algorithms. So I was always in a teaching environment. I even taught at the college of pharmacy I graduated from as an adjunct professor for a couple of years. So, you know, I always had that and even when we rounded with, you know, physicians in the hospital, we were teaching about the medications. So I was always in that I always, was always wearing that hat of instructor, so to speak. And I think when I was little, remember when you were little and you played school and there was always the teacher? I was always the teacher, <laughs> right? You too, of course, because we're so similar in terms of the, the advanced degrees and taking this zigzag journey to get to where we are today. And I think it's very common. It's, you know, I didn't want to be a teacher, but I wanted to be you know, something. And, but that teaching, I've always come back to that. And that's what I'm doing now when I work with my coaching clients. I'm teaching them how to use the tools and, and, and how to do the things that they need to do to build a strong foundation so that they can achieve the level of success that they dream of.
0: And that's what I was going to ask. Like, what are those common threads for you from then and now in this second phase? And the teaching aspect is, Actually interesting, because I didn't think of that because you are teaching. Now, did you recognize that common thread or was it like, oh, well, I've done this before and I think I can teach and coach? Or did it just kind of flow as you figured it
1: out? Like literally it just kind of like even with photography, I would teach photography lessons. I would do, you know, one on one or I did some team camps. I did like adult group classes. So, so so yeah, so I, I think it's just always been part of who I am that when I, and I think it comes from when you have a heart of service, you always want to help other people and teaching people how to do things has always just been something
0: that I like to do. So let's go to, let's talk about the anxiety piece, because first of all, what do you mean when you say anxiety? Let's start there. And then kind of walk through your own personal journey with yourself and your kids. And then kind of what you, what you got out of that and what you're doing now with it.
1: So when I, when I talk about anxiety and like my journey with anxiety started when I was a very little girl. And I, I would present with these terrible stomach aches. And I would cry and not want to go to school. And of course, there was nothing wrong with me physically. So why wouldn't, shouldn't I go to school? But it was just physically almost impossible for me to do that and do that with a smile on my face because I was so anxious. But back then, nobody knew what anxiety was like they do today. Totally different environment. But I carried that through with me all the way through. And to the point when I was in pharmacy school, I had a severe fear of public speaking. And it was because of the anxiety. And that built and built to the point where when I was working on my doctorate, I had to do a research project and then present the research project, very similar to a thesis. And I couldn't do it. I could not do the presentation. I ended up dropping out of the program. I went back and I finished, but my anxiety over that fear of public speaking was so elevated that it was it was dysfunctioning for me. Like I literally could not function because of it. And that, you know, that built and built and built over the years. Once we realized that, or I realized that, I was able to get help and and deal with all of that. And I mean, I I couldn't have overcome it or be doing what I'm doing today if I had not overcome that. Right. So it's still a work in progress. It still affects my life to this day. I think once you have it, it it's always there. You know, it's there's a lot about anxiety that is genetic. It's generational. My my father had it. Uh, my grandmother had it. I think it's just something that has carried through and. When my son started showing signs of anxiety, it was the same. It was, we went to see him do a presentation and he couldn't do the presentation. And I was like, oh my gosh, the, we have to stop this now. So because I had known, uh, you know, I had learned so much about myself, I could see him or I could see me in him. And I thought, we can't let him live like this. And so at that point we started, you know, therapy and it was amazing because I, I actually finally got like truly the help that I needed. And that helped me to learn additional strategies and things to handle anxiety, but things that, you know, I wouldn't have known otherwise. So it was, it was, I call it like a God wink, you know, (laughs) it was horrible that my son had to go through it, but as he was going through it, I learned more. And so I could help him more and then I could help myself more. And then, you know, as my other kids have come up the line and have shown a little bit of anxiety, it's, we can handle it up front versus letting it build and get worse and worse. So, my mission now is uh, you know, when I'm coaching my clients, we I am teaching them how to build a business and all the back end things to do, but also the mindset component. And it's these strategies and these tools that I've learned over the years that I'm able to help them navigate those negative thoughts, the the fear, the imposter syndrome, comparison, uh, you know, with other people in their space. And so really it's been almost a gift for me to have the journey I've had and be able to now help people navigate the same journey or a similar journey.
0: Yeah. And so what is like one of your go-to strategies? Like, cause as you said, it stays with you. It doesn't go away, but you've learned to manage it. Is there a go-to strategy that you tend to recommend when that happens?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing with anxiety is you have to recognize what it is and what's happening to you. Like for years, you know, I, I mentioned I had stomach aches. Well, I still to this day, when I'm anxious, get the same exact stomach ache. It's very distinct, and so a lot of times I don't even realize I'm anxious, and I'll feel that in my stomach, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, okay, I have to sit with this. What am I anxious about?" And then I can identify, and then what I what I do, and um, a therapist taught me this years ago. It's it's based on the principle of cognitive behavioral therapy, so. When we have a thought, our thought will create an emotion or a feeling, and then those feelings create our actions or behaviors. So if you think of it like a triangle, and it just is, you know, it just kind of is a circle around a triangle that just keeps going and going and going. So when we have anxious thoughts, in in my book, I talk about the analogy of a Ferris wheel. So when someone has anxiety, especially um more severe anxiety or, you know, moderate to severe anxiety. And, and it can start obviously at, at, at mild as well. But what happens is like if you think of a Ferris wheel and it's going around in a circle and it stops and it lets more people on and then it keeps going and it stops and lets people off and then more people on. Well, the Ferris wheel is going around and around and around. and These negative thoughts have gotten on the Ferris wheel and it just keeps going around, but it's not stopping to let the negative thoughts off or let positive thoughts on. And so it's like a glitch in the brain where a situation happens or a thought happens and then stimulates feelings but the brain can't catch or stop that thought cycle and so it just keeps going. And so what I like to do is and we it's worked for my kids too, but you know, catch those thoughts. When you when you identify what triggers you and you identify your physical symptoms related to anxiety you can catch the thoughts that are triggering the anxiety then you can challenge the thoughts and this is what i like to do with as far as challenge the thoughts go is is this real could this be proven in a court of, of law like is this rational what i'm thinking could this actually happen or can i say no this is not realistic or can i say a prayer and balance my thoughts to say okay If this were to happen, what would the result be? So challenging those thoughts and then changing those thoughts. And for me, journaling has always been a very big practice to help with all of this. And once I can change those thoughts, then I can start to control those thoughts. And once I can control those thoughts, my confidence will soar. And once my confidence soars and I come back to that place of believing in myself, then everything will level out.
0: And so, are you still doing photography? So this is interesting.
1: (laughs) I literally, literally yesterday took Uh, photography off of my website, (gasps) and this is this is huge. So this is something that I was thinking in 2022 when the book published, I would do this. I would stop the photography, and so you're the first person outside of my family I've told this.
0: Wow.
1: Um, So, but I wrote a blog post. and I kind of, I just wrote out my journey and what it has been and where I am now. And that I feel like I said to you earlier where my values, visions, and passions are finally, everything's aligned where I can truly have the impact I want to have. And I believe that impact is through coaching and through everything that I'm going to be doing with
0: the book. Has there been a moment of grieving at all because this was kind of your entryway into the next phase
1: yeah and um i think i've mentally prepared myself all year and in fact i wasn't going to do this until the beginning of 2022 and i'm two months ahead of schedule so i do have clients booked for november and i will honor those and if i have you know some i have had some corporate clients for a long time and you know if they get a new employee they call me we need headshots and you know, I'm not saying I'm never going to do it, but that's not where my focus is going to be in terms of bringing in income, bringing in revenue, and and pushing my website towards. So um, there is this. I, I was talking to my son about it today. I said, "Sam, guess guess what I did? I did something really huge yesterday." And he's like, "What, mom?" And I told him. He's like, "Whoa!" He's like, "But you know what, mom?" When you started, I remember how much you loved to set up like, you know, things and, and take pictures of flowers or go for a hike and take pictures of nature. And you would just find things and create the most beautiful images. And he said, now you can get back to that, to that stuff. And I said, yeah, because you know, it's been years. Like I, I don't do that because with all the photography I had done for all the clients I've had, you it wasn't as fun. I mean, it was fun. It was in a different way, but it wasn't that like I would use photography as my escape. Like that was my creative outlet. But when you're doing it all the time for work, you don't necessarily want to pick up a camera again at the end of the day and go do that again. And I am sure there will be some sort of grieving process because it's, it's such a huge change. It's like saying goodbye to 11 years of my life, you know, but I think because it's always been part of my core and who I've been, because I, I loved it as a child, it was a hobby always and a passion that that will still be part of me. It's just going to be different not working with people. And for me to say no to people when they call me, that will be the hardest part ever.
0: That That's what I'm thinking. I mean, because... It's part of your identity, as you've outlined. But what is your brand now? How do you define your brand? What is the approach others should take in defining that brand?
1: Okay, I love this question. Love this question. And this is something that has been very near and dear to my heart from my own journey this past year. So when I first started my photography business, the name of my business was Robin Graham Photography. My URL was Robin Graham Photography. I was Robin Graham Photography on social media. As I started to shift and I added coaching services to my line of business, and then as the book started to come to fruition this year, I changed everything to just my name. So my business is Robin Graham, LLC. My Instagram, everything out there, my website URL, everything is the Robin Graham because Robin Graham solo wasn't available. So I had started and because I've had a presence and because... I, I've been teaching personal branding for so many years. I have already established a personal brand as me, as the person that I am. So I established myself as my name, my business as my name, and I did that on purpose so that I had room to grow. And I always say to my clients, if you are struggling to name your business, Think about your name. It's a little bit different if you are wanting to build a legacy building or a legacy brand, a legacy business, and you want to pass this down for generations. Or if you're building a business that you want to sell, you're probably not going to sell a business that has your name in it, um, your full name. But generally speaking, if you are an entrepreneur and you're creating a business, there's nothing wrong with using your name because it gives you opportunity for expansion later on.
0: Wow. that That's really great advice. And I heard that once in the very beginning of my process. So you're the second person who said this to me. And it's interesting because even for my own brand, I'm in that space of, okay, I think I'm going to just use my name because I use Disrupting Balance, but I feel like Disrupting Balance is an auxiliary of Hanifa Barnes.
1: Yeah. You and know? here's the thing. So now I have a book coming. So I could create a whole new website, create a whole new social media plan for the book but i've already established my brand and so i can add the book underneath the overarching umbrella of my brand because it's my name it's me as a person and you know even if you are in corporate you have a personal brand because a personal brand is what other people think say and feel about you so you have team members you have bosses you have leaders uh, executives looking at you, and you—they're looking at you, and, and they have an opinion of you and a the perception of you. Your branding is how you control that perception. It's you know how you differentiate yourself, how you how you educate other people on what makes you unique. And so, even if you're working for someone else, you have a personal brand. But the bonus as an entrepreneur is you have an option to really create your personal brand. And so your name becomes a significant part of that if it is the name of your business.
0: And so how what was the journey to the book like? Like the planning, like when did you know? How did you plan? How did you t- you know schedule out when to write?
1: You know how you have those little nudges, those little callings and you're like, yeah, 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 I can't do that. But God just keeps tapping you on the shoulder and saying, when are you gonna listen to me? 2022 was the year I decided, all right, fine, I'll do it. And it's funny because it was it was quite a journey. I I originally thought that the idea came to me for a book and I originally thought I would photograph teen girls and I would depict anxiety through images because oftentimes people with anxiety, especially kids, cannot express what they're feeling. And so I thought, well, if I create a book of pictures of teens describing visually how they feel, a therapist could open the book and say, okay, let's page through here and tell me what pictures look the way you feel. And I thought it was a brilliant idea, but most people did not think it was a brilliant idea. I would, you know, I contacted a lot of therapists and, and people and said, Hey, I, I I'm thinking of doing this project would you be willing to just hand people a piece of paper? And if they're interested in being photographed, they can call me. Nobody was interested in helping me except for like one local psychiatrist thought it was brilliant. But the therapists were like, you're not a therapist. Like why would you photograph these girls that are vulnerable? And I, so I finally came to the realization that it was going to be more impactful if I actually got really vulnerable and told my story and shared my story and then all the tools. And so the book now is it really just evolved. I would sit down, and I'm like, okay, God, direct me, Holy Spirit, fill me with wisdom. What am I supposed to write? And it just the book is broken down, each chapter is is a word, basically. So, you know, we start with anxiety and we have worry, we have faith, we have hope, we have gratitude, we have shame, anger. Like um, all the things that you would think that come up with mental health challenges, and so the there each there's a chapter, um, all of these chapters for the teen, and then with each chapter, I also have a parent book. So each chapter has a section for parents. So if there are parents who you know are struggling to deal with their teen and don't know what to do or how to address this, I give them insight as to you know, things that my parents did that maybe caused me to be worse or things that I did or didn't know that I can teach them so that they don't make the same mistakes I made or that my parents made or whatever. So it will actually publish with two books and then a journal as well and, the, and a workbook. I really believe, you know, I wrote this for teen girls, but I have a feeling that, you know, everybody that reads it is going to be able to do the workbook exercises and be like, wow, I did not know I needed this help.
0: Yeah, because I'm thinking about my two teen boys (laughs) that could probably benefit because, you know, whether, you know, you actually, you know, recognize you are suffering with anxiety, there are behaviors, right, that align with anxiety. You just don't know it. And maybe that reading just helps you kind of connect to, okay, this is what that means. This is the behavior. Okay, good. I have a tool.
1: And the other thing is, I think that I'm hoping people will read it to who maybe just know someone that has anxiety or depression, because you cannot say to someone, just get over it. You, it doesn't work. They, they don't have that capability. You can't change the brain just like flipping a light switch. And so to recognize that anxiety is nothing different than a diagnosis of diabetes or heart disease or cancer. It is something that needs to be treated respectfully and gracefully. And I think if we can change some of that stigma so that people aren't afraid to go get help, if they're not afraid to become vulnerable and sit with someone else and share their thoughts and their feelings. I, someone asked me recently, well, what, what is the ROI you expect to get on this book? The ROI, which I had never thought about, a dollar ROI, if I can save one person from committing suicide, then that's my ROI. I am Robin Graham, and I am disrupting balance by helping women take action to build a strong foundation for long-term brand and business success instead of sitting in fear, trying to mimic what others are doing or invest in every DIY online course so that they can accomplish their goals much faster, spend less money, and make more money faster with a lot less stress.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the episode. I truly, truly appreciate you and know that I am working to build a community of balance disruptors. Those are women who are working to find harmony in the imbalance of work well-being and the in-between. And if you're interested in joining, go to www.disruptingbalance.com and you'll get occasional emails and messages around health, harmony, and mindset to get you through the imbalance of your day. You can also follow me on social media at Disrupting Balance on all platforms. Or if there is a particular topic you want to hear on the podcast, shoot me a message at info at Lastly, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review this podcast. It truly helps us to grow and move forward and disrupt balance. Talk soon.